This is awesome. You know, we were uh, coming up Pacific Coast Highway this morning, and we passed St. Rock, and I couldn't believe it. There were still people there coming out at, whatever it was, 8.30, 9 o'clock in the morning. But it's definitely uh, good to be here, not dealing with a hangover, out of ourselves, singing praise to God. Uh, you know, I want to thank Brian, too, for the video we started out with this morning. I am so grateful for God's creation. And then... Those images on the screen are the things that really helped me connect. You know, uh, I've had the opportunity to uh, kind of develop a relationship with Andre Costa years of late. And uh, one of the things that Andre enjoys and loves is the ocean. And I really, really appreciate some of the times I've had with him, the walks that we've had down to the beach, just seeing what God has created for us. So with that, I want to go ahead and uh, bow our heads and go to the Father in prayer here and we'll get this thing going. Well, Father, I want to thank you so much for the way that you look after us, watch over us, protect us, uh, provide for us in just so many different ways. As we uh, are about to embark on a new year, Father, I know that the last year had a lot of incredible things that took place. There are also things that, that for some of us were sobering. Uh, I do really want to pray and appeal to you, God, on behalf of those that have lost loved ones, that uh, you will continue to comfort them and help them move forward. Uh, as we uh, head out into 2012, just really realizing as disciples what we've been blessed with. God, how you do take care of us. And I can't even begin to imagine what it would be like to, to walk in this world without you watching over me in every step that I take. Father, help us to really understand and be grateful for how you've blessed us, what you've done for us. In particular, what took place 2,000 years ago at Calvary, knowing that you came down in the flesh took on the role of a slave so that each and every one of us would have the opportunity to be ushered into your kingdom through the blood of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you so much for Christ. Thank you for what he represents for each of us individually. Thank you for the Holy Spirit which resides in each of us as Christians, knowing that, God, you give us the ability to go on and do so much more in this day and age because of the way that you love us and want others to come to have that same love as well. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, 2012 is here. How many of you excited about that? The uh, theme that we have for the month is Return to Me. And uh, with that, just really understanding and thinking through what Christ has done for us personally. And I, I've been kind of taking an inventory here the last few days myself, just looking through the close of la last year into what we have going into 2012. Any of you make resolutions? That didn't seem to be too popular a theme. <laughs> Why is that? Now, some of you probably made the resolution that you're not going to make resolutions anymore, right? A few of you out there. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, I'm not perplexed at all by the response based on making the mistake of going on the internet to look at the top ten resolutions for 2012. So I've got a few of those. Maybe. Okay, ten top resolution list. First one is stop smoking. I can do it. <laughs> you know, honestly, for those that have had that particular issue, challenge in their lives, it is pretty major overcoming. But we know as Christians, there's no place for smoking in our lives. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We all know that. James 4.17 is real clear. If we know the good we ought to do and don't, it's sin. I don't think there's any of us here that would recommend that to our kids, right? It was kind of interesting, though, as I was going through this list of resolutions, I love how encouraging this is. 
Number one, stop smoking. And in a parenthesis, directly underneath this, this is not a lie, it's right there, you may gain 25 pounds. How encouraging is that? Which leads us to the next one. Get into the habit of being fit. And, you know, it was, it was interesting. They, they kind of break that on down, you know, don't eat so much, exercise more. Uh, there are all kinds of incredible books. Uh, one of the things they recommended was We Fitness, which I think if you, uh, well, it's probably cheaper than a gym, but you get the Wii and you get the little platform thing that you step up on. You got about 300 bucks there kicking off the new year. Lose weight, the battle of the bulge. You know, again, all kinds of self-help books and it was amazing. Uh, so, you know, the Biggest Loser program, the Miracle Ball method, uh, the Elaine Patron method. Jeez, uh, I mean, it went on. South Bay diet. Uh, some of them I can't even repeat, man. The title of this one's rather interesting. Uh, Weight Watchers, New Complete Cookbook. You know, it's just on and on and on and on. So as you can see, it just continues. Enjoy life more. And then there were about 10, 15 books. And I'm thinking, I know what I enjoy in life. I need somebody to tell me how to enjoy it. There were another at least 10, 15 books on, you know, how to figure out what you like and how to do something about it. And just, you know, we, we go on. There's 10 of them. Quit drinking. Organize yourself. I guess you need number six in order to do number seven, right? Uh, get out of debt. Spend more time with family. That's a good one. I like that. And then help people was the last one on the list, which... I, it's awesome that it made it to the top ten. Obviously, people have a little bit more of an outward focus today. But uh, I went through and I totaled up the books and all the little gadgets and such. There's about 800 bucks just getting into this stuff, which kind of messes number eight off right from the get-go. But anyway, so I understand for those of you that were not excited about resolutions, maybe you went to the same website and were dealing with what I'm dealing with here, kind of going through this stuff. But, you know, with that, we're going to talk about this a little bit more. I do think it is important for us to take a spiritual assessment of where we're at personally. And one of the things I do love about God here in Psalm 121 is past, present, future, it doesn't matter. He's always been there for me. He's there for me now. And He will always be there for me. It says, The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. Amen? You know, when I look at all the variables in life, I'm so grateful that I've got this one thing as a constant. God will always take care of me. God is always looking out for me. And with that, I wanted to kind of, with God there watching over me, I, I, I took, like I said, a personal inventory of just, my walk last year, and these are some of the conclusions I came to. When it came to my marriage, I gave myself an above average. <laughs> Amen. And you know, and the thing that I'm grateful for that is obviously God, His influence in the Bible, and the men and women that God has put in my life. I mean, one of those brothers, very dear brother to me, even this morning, kind of helped me shake off a few things. I don't know what it is about Sundays. They never quite start off the way that you want them to. And... Um, my wife kind of ratted me out to Calvin Johnson about being a little grumpy, having some issues this morning. And, I mean, he just came down in here, loved up on me, kind of made a joke out of it initially, but really appealed to me on a heart level. And I'm really grateful. It really kind of changed my demeanor getting up here this morning. So you're not going to have to deal with a crabby Steve Marici, amen? 
And there's a lot of individuals that have had that impact on my life. The Hachias, the Thomases, you know that it's kind of funny, even the indirect discipling, you know, where Jack and I, we do pretty good most of the time. But, uh, you know, in our sinful nature, in our cultures, you know, I'm Italian, Bohemian, and Irish. She's Apache, Indian, Irish, and Italian. There, there's some, some stuff there, you know, genetically speaking. And I always know that, okay, it's time to dial it back in when, when Pat or Ramona or Owen or Scott will say, boy, I'm glad we're not the only ones that are like this. So, above average in marriage. Um, when it comes to our kids, I gave myself above average. And again, some of the same individuals there, uh, the Johnsons, the Kramers, the Landys, uh, in particular, last year was a very challenging year for me in some different areas with my son. And it was amazing the help that I got in these relationships, these friendships, to deal with my own heart and really protect and enhance the relationship with my son. And I want to let you know, 2011 ended up in such a great way with us relationally. We're able to spend some great time with him uh, going into the end of the year. Uh, you know, and I, there's another individual here in the front row that's been on me like white on rice with this stuff, and, that, and that's been Marco. And I really want to thank all of you for the input and the direction and that uh, through the holidays time, I, I've spent some of the best time with Stephen and his new girlfriend, who's a disciple in Christ. So that all was encouraging. She's a sweetheart. Pray that he doesn't blow it. She'd be a nice addition to the family. Amen? Um, discipleship. Again, I give myself an above average there. For those of you that are in those relationships with me, you can tell me where I've been blowing it. Help me on out if you don't agree. But I, I'm so appreciative of the relationships here in the South Bay Church. Uh, great friendships. It's been an incredible transition. I know you've heard it before, but I, I really do mean that with all my heart. And then when it comes to my Bible study this year, I give myself an excellent ton of time in the Bible. I uh, was looking to try and read a book a week. Didn't quite get there. Ended up with about 30 books for the year, which, on uh, you know, the, the Bible... Uh, uh, marriage, kids, you know, all the different issues that we have to deal with as marrieds. And that was incredibly helpful. There's an area, though, that I, I just want to be real with you on that I, I think I need to take to the next level. And I, again, I appreciate Brian with the video this morning. But it's when it, when it comes right down to my worship of God and what that really is. And I think that's something I'm, I'm going to be wrestling with to just get a deeper understanding and appreciation for what God has done in my life. Um, you know, I, I just want to keep it real here. You know, we, our goal is heaven, right? And I know for me, I, I get a little deep, sometimes too deep, almost to the point of drowning. I appreciate the winds bring me that life preserver uh, uh, from uh, the REI cell yesterday. They want to make sure I don't drift away somewhere like Tony. Definitely grateful for that. You know, I, I go out in my kayak from time to time without a vest because the one I have is a medium and it doesn't fit all that great. But they got me the XL, so I'm fired up about life. But when it comes to that worship, you know, I, I, I've had these just where I've sat for an hour or two and just thought it through heaven. Okay, what's that going to be like? Worshiping God. What's that going to be like? Do I really want to do that for eternity? And I think that, that shows where my heart can go sometimes. And that what does that mean to worship God forever? And, you know, and the thing that was really helpful is, again, times like that video where I take the time to assess how God's worked in my life with the people that God has put in my life to see that I can have an incredible marriage, that I can have a great relationship with my kids, that I can have great friendships in the church, that I can be a part of something that's making a difference 
then it, it pulls back into perspective for me. It's like, what we got here on earth as disciples, when we're walking with God, isn't it incredible? And then being able to make that transition and understand what that is going to mean for me for eternity. When I look at those times at the beach, or those times at the mountains, or watching the dolphins swim, or whatever it is that excites me, this pales in comparison with what we're going to have for eternity. And just realizing how hard I want to strive to really understand God on that level. What it means to worship God on that level. And I think the other thing I'm grateful for is what God gives us through Jesus Christ. The most incredible example ever of what that degree of worship means. In Philippians 2, verses 5-11, through 11, we know it talks about not thinking more highly of yourself, looking to the needs of others. It starts out with all that. But the thing that stands out to me the most in this passage is who Jesus Christ is, what He represents, and what He did for me personally. It says, Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But He made Himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, He humbled Himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted Him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know, I've been studying out that degree of servitude, what, what Jesus was willing to do for me personally, what he was willing to do for each and every one of us. And it's amazing what took place. And the degree of compassion, the love, the passion he had for each of us personally. And one of the things that I've been really looking at closely is what we see in verse 7. It says, he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. Well, it's kind of interesting through the last four or five hundred years how Bible translations have gotten away from the Greek. And servant, I think because of what our perspective is on slavery and servitude and things of that nature... It's got kind of watered down through the years. Servant actually translates doulos, which is slave. And that's what Jesus was willing to do. You know, we look to a servant, we look to a slave. A slave has no choice in the matter. They're supposed to do what they're called to do, and it doesn't matter what the master is like. A servant, on the other, on the other hand, is a hired hand. He can kind of pick and choose to a degree his employment, he can definitely pick and choose how he's going to respond to direction. But the thing that I love about Jesus was his willingness to take on that attitude of a slave to do his Father's will. And I think for me, knowing as a disciple, we, we look at some of the things that we've learned through the years. You know, we know Luke 9, deny self. Luke 14, aspects of carrying our cross, serving and obeying God, serving and obeying Christ, who is our Master. Getting back to what that really means. And this passage so exemplifies for me what Christ was willing to do, how much more so do I need to be a slave to God? Do I need to have that willingness to do what God calls me to, understanding the blessings that I've received by worshiping Him, by being a part of the kingdom, by being a part of His church? You know, with this, taking that time to really assess this past year, you know, the end of the year is, uh, for those of you that are business owners, you know what it can be like. You know, it's one of those wonderful times of year where you, you do just that. You take a physical inventory. 
I used to work for a trophy shop years ago, and I hated this time of year more than anything. Any of you that have ever broken a trophy, you know there's a gazillion little pieces and parts, nuts, bolts, connectors, all kinds of stuff, and having to sit there and count out all these different things. But it gave us the ability to assess how we had done for the year, take a close look at our profit structure for the year, and assess what we needed in our inventory for the upcoming year and how to improve things. Well, it's really the same thing from a spiritual standpoint. And when it comes to those resolutions, you know, the list that we looked at there wasn't all that great. Maybe not the most encouraging thing in the world. I mean, it was kind of interesting on the whole weight gain thing. It says if you gain two pounds, for every two to five pounds you gain, your uh, increase for arthritis increases by six to 15 percent. I'm thinking, man, those seven pounds that I uh, put on here through the holidays, um, uh, my, my uh, arthritis threshold increased by about 60 percent. I'm like, you kidding me? Anyway, looking at from a spiritual standpoint where we need to, to go with things, I think the end of the year is an opportune time to take just that, a spiritual inventory. The self-examination, and you know, it's kind of interesting, God even prescribes that Himself. In 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, it says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. And it doesn't say that anybody else is supposed to do this for us. We need to get gut level real and take a close look ourselves as to where we were for the year of 2011. And if, for some of you, it was a banner year. And you need to be excited about that. Others it may have been more middle of the road. Others, you may be just hanging on by your teeth. But you know what? As long as you're hanging on, it's a good place to be. Because there's this wonderful thing called repentance, which enables us to get back on track, to return to God. And I think if we can think through, honestly, what our lives were like prior to becoming a Christian to where they are today, guys, all of us have a degree of hope. Amen? You guys with me on that? God is awesome. He gives us a changed life, but the real issues here are we need to stay within the realm of what He has created. So here's some practicals. Number one, you need to take an inventory of your prayer life. How's it been? the past year. And, you know, I think it's kind of like the, the wedding vows that we take, you know, in, in sickness and health, good, bad, whatever. Are, are we only crying out to God when maybe we have financial challenges or, or maybe there's been a death in the family or maybe there's a, a sickness or disease that we're dealing with? Or are we maintaining that daily relationship with God because He's worthy of worship? And I know for me, this is an area I give myself... Yeah, right in there in between that average and above average area. And it's got to it's get a lot better for me in 2012. And I think we all know what works for us in prayer, right? The best place, the best time, and being consistent with that. And for me, it's outdoors. I've just got to make that time because I really connect with God on that level. And it's not just the laundry list of God, I need this, that, that, and the other. But it's being able to really praise Him for what an incredible God He is and what He's created and what He's done for me personally. We need to take an inventory of our Bible study habits and really think it through. Are we eating spiritually? Are we feeding ourselves spiritually? You know, in 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, Do your best present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the Word of God. Now, how's your personal standard? How's your household standard? You know, we've got to be in it if we're going to handle it. Amen? We need to take 
personal inventory of our spirit or the spirituality of our family. You know, when it comes to the past this past year, we're all very familiar with Matthew six, the need to seek God's kingdom first. And we know the repercussions if we don't. Some of you may be dealing with those repercussions right now. Others of you are dealing with the victories in your life, with the things that you overcome because you're seeking God first. But you know, when it comes to that seeking God in His kingdom and His righteousness, did we put spiritual things first this past year? Or did sports, trips, friends, whatever, come before the spiritual aspects of our life when it comes to community worship like this on Sundays, our Bible talks, discipling relationships? Or do those things get pushed to the side? And then the final one is to take inventory of our place in the local congregation. In 2011, did you help or hurt the work of the Lord? Did we get on board with the work and accomplish the goals that the elders and evangelists set before us here within the church? Or did we just sit on the sideline? And you know that sitting on the sideline can be just, again, very basic stuff. Not reading your Bible. Not praying. Not, not, not taking care of what's going on under your own roof. And guess what? There's other people then that need to get in the mix and spend the time helping in that area. Which isn't a bad thing, but is it possible that that time could be spent helping usher those into the kingdom that are going to be grateful for the way that God can truly work and change their lives to the better? So I think just thinking through these things, when it comes to returning to God, returning to what He's established for us, I've got one final passage here out of Isaiah 44 says, I have swept away your offenses like cloud, your sins like the morning mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Sing for joy, O heavens, for the Lord has done this. Shout aloud, O earth beneath. Burst into song, you mountains, you forests, and all your trees. For the Lord has redeemed me. The Lord has redeemed you. The Lord has redeemed each and every one of us. And that needs to excite us. That needs to mean something. Because if we don't return to God... We'll return to something. And I think Second Peter sums it up very well. Or Peter sums it up very well in Second Peter. Well, actually, First and Second Peter. You know, Peter quotes the proverb about how if we, we lose sight of God, and we lose sight of what we've been taught, and we lose our sense of gratitude, he says a dog returns to his vomit, and a sow that is washed goes back to wallowing in the mud. See, if we don't return to God, that's the only alternative is returning to the swill that was a part of our life before we became Christians. But then he says in 1 Peter 2, he talks about what Jesus endured. What he did for us personally, as we saw in Philippians 2. And this is really cool, because if there's a choice, this is the choice I want to make. In 1 Peter 2, verse 25, he says, For you were like sheep going astray, but now you return to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So we need, to, we need to take a moment and make sure that we've got our navigation system set up properly. We've got the right address in there. Uh, any of you see that uh, Allstate commercial with Mayhem? Those commercials crack me up. I'm telling you, my nav system does exactly what he does from time to time, where you know he's sitting there, he's kind of hanging on the side of the mirror, and the guy's driving, and he's in a hurry to get somewhere, and it's all, turn left! And then, oh, recalculate, recalculate, turn right! The guy ends up crashing. I can't tell you how many times I've come close, but uh, Magellan is not the greatest nav system in the world. I do like my iPhone, though. It's a heck of a lot better. But, you know, just really keeping sight of that. We know what God's established for us. We know what gave us the ability to overcome all the various aspects of our past 
and put God first. And we know when we do that, we've reaped the benefits. So how much more important is it to make sure that we're making the right choices as we start off this new year? I don't know about you, I'd rather be singing and rejoicing than wallowing, amen? And here's the reality behind it. The choice is mine. The choice is yours. Let's take the time to assess last year so we can glorify God in everything we do in 2012 and return to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. Amen? Thank you. like tag team wrestling right here. Uh, good morning. You may be wondering why I'm here. Steve and I are actually tag teaming this communion lesson so that we can uh, take communion uh, afterwards. But uh, happy new year to everyone. Uh, it's amazing how quickly Christmas has gone by. And uh, if you've put lights up on your house, just do yourself a favor. Just leave them up, unplug them, and then turn them on next year. That's all you need to do. I really appreciate Steve's uh, lesson and direction and admonition about taking spiritual inventory of our lives. Because life is just going by quickly. It's going by fast. And uh, it is important as disciples of Christ that we continually, continually take inventory of where we're at and where does God want to lead us in our lives. I I really appreciate the scripture that Steve used in Philippians chapter 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. And we should look to not only our own interests, but we should look to the interests of other people. That is the heart and spirit of God. That's who he is. And he has saved us so that we can be representations of him here on earth and be the best that we can possibly be. And Christ humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. You know, several weeks ago, I got some great and very helpful input and discipling uh, into my life, into my ministry, into my leadership. Uh, Really, just into my life. And I appreciate the Bairds. I appreciate Henry. I appreciate uh, the Williams. I appreciate the Pelizzeris for taking the time to love me and speak the truth and love to me. And to help me see the good, the bad, and the ugly. And uh, I was very tempted at the time to get defensive. But I, I felt like I really tried very hard not to get defensive as the truth and love is being spoken to you. And I really wanted to seize the opportunity to grow and to change, to be different, to be a different person. Because if there's going to be a new you in the new year, then God's got to work on you first. One particular sin that was pointed out in my life that really stood out for me was the sin of pride and how it manifests in my life. And sadly, it was like, wow. If you've ever seen Avatar and you see the, the, the main character having to break that flying animal and they finally, you know, he, he braid, his braided hair, he connects like a cable and 
bam, 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 that animal's eyes light up and he surrenders, he submits, he sees, he sees clearly that this is the master. I really, I really feel like God has been doing this with my life, through the disciples, through the help that I've received, to see it more clearly. If you've ever seen that movie Limitless and the guy takes that drug and just his brain is unlocked. I'm not taking drugs, but I feel like God is giving me NZT and he's helping my spiritual brain to be unlocked and to be unleashed because of the sin of pride being identified in my life and how it's so intimately tied in to all of my character weaknesses. I feel like I've been helped in discovering what my tumor has been. You know, people can function with a tumor, but they may not know what the problem is. And I feel like God is helping me see what that tumor is. And that gives me hope because then I can, I can, I can get the help and go after the treatment. Now that I know what it is and the problem in my life, then I can repent. I can change. But pride manifests itself in my life in different ways. How close I am in my friendships, my relationships. Only a certain part of intimacy I give to other people and I let people in only so far. My level of initiation with others. How much I seek advice. How much I get input. And my wholeheartedness in what I'm doing in the ministry. And for me, these things are difficult. These are difficult for me to hear because these are some areas in my life I've been trying to change for so many years. I've been trying to change, but I've fallen short far too often. I've read a couple books, not as many as Steve, but I've read a couple books over the Christmas holiday. Uh, one of the books that I've read was The Power of Discipling. It's a great book. Fantastic book. And the other book that I've read over the break is The Prideful Soul's Guide to Humility. Another great book. And uh, if you've never read it or if you don't think you need it, you need to order it after today. You are, you are a perfect candidate to, to read this. And honestly, genuinely, apart from my Bible, uh, these two books are going to be staple books for me this year. I'm going to read them several times and really try... To absorb them and change and uh, bathe myself in them. I wanted to read you some excerpts just briefly here from this book of humility. About pride. What is pride? It's almost always an attitude of self-sufficiency and independence. A prideful person will simply say, I can handle this without help. Or I understand my situation better than anyone else. It's often an attitude of self-righteousness. I'm at least as good as you are probably better. It is sometimes an attitude of boastfulness. A prideful person will simply say, look what I did and look what this proves I can do. It's commonly an attitude of superiority. My intellect is greater or my accomplishments are greater or my looks are greater or something about me is greater. Pride looks down on others. Pride does not listen well. It's stubborn. Pride is not eager to learn because it's confident in what it already knows. Pride is not quick to admit wrong because it fears it may look bad or lose its position. Pride is competitive and is easily threatened. Pride is insecure. Pride finds it hard to rejoice in the success of others. The truth is, we're all prideful souls in one way or another. Our biggest problem, however, is not founded in many ways of pride. Our biggest problem lies in taking it seriously. 
Far too many Christians still take pride too lightly. It is Satan's credit how we have taken the sin that is the deepest and the most serious and have minimized and trivialized it. Pride is at the heart of all sin. It is a fundamental quality that is often down below the surface, but one that we must root out and expose if we are to have a close walk with God. Pride is deadly serious because it keeps us from seeing our tremendous need for God. You know, I started crying after the introduction of this book because I saw so much of myself. I saw so much pride. And I've been a disciple now for 25 years, and it's so sad. I feel like, wow, God, I just, I just, I'm so sorry. And I think that's the biggest thing that has moved me. Is my sin hurts God. Is my sin hurts my relationship with God and distances me from Him. That's that's what's affected me the most. And that's what's affected me. And then I've got to need I need to change. I need to change for the sake of my walk with God. My relationship with Him. I don't have I don't have time this morning to go on all the details. But I'm convinced that pride is the chief of all sins. For me, and I believe for mankind. But pride is the chief of all sins because pride is one of those sins that will infiltrate in, in an intentional and also an unintentional way into all areas of our life to get us to be separated from God and depending solely on Him. And there are symptoms in our life that show it. Pride is one of those things, one of those sins that everyone else around you can see it except the person who possesses it. It's one of those sins. I've tried hard these past few weeks to share and confess with brothers and sisters who are closer in my life. The more you're open, the more help you can get. And the more love and mercy you feel from God. There's a passage that I wanted to show you. Just got one scripture for you this morning. In Joel chapter 2, apart from the prophet calling the Israelites to go back to God, he simply says, rend your heart and not your garments. Don't just change your behavior. Don't just change your religious duties. God wants your heart. He wants you to, to turn your heart to him. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. And he relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and have pity and leave behind a blessing, a grain offering, a drink offering for the Lord your God. The thing I want to point out in this passage, brothers and sisters, I'm, I'm grateful that God will not stay mad at me. I am so grateful for the discipline and I don't need to be a little child that's spanked and sit in the corner for the rest of my life. I can go out and play because God says I can be forgiven. And I think that's how we need to handle repentance. We need to. I've always taught repentance can be instantaneous. It can be. Whenever we're disciplined. Whenever we see the hand of God moving in our lives to expose what's in our lives. You know, over the holiday break. I loved spending time with my family. I loved spending time with my wife. Took her away for a few days just to be together. 
And it was like our honeymoon again. It's awesome. And um, but I was able to go on a prayer time with my boys. I'm very thankful that both of them are at the age where they are disciples and they're mature enough to be able to converse at a different level. But uh, we sat down at a local area and I got a chance to just confess my sins to them and share, share how my sin has showed itself. And, um, you know, I went through excerpts of this book with them and they were polite enough to sit through it and, and, and listen to what I was saying. But I want my boys to learn the lessons that I'm learning so that they don't repeat them in their own life. I want them to, to pursue humility. Humility with God. Humility with others. Because that's just right in God's eyes. That's just correct. Humility gets God's attention. When I'm humble, that's going to get God's attention. And I want God's attention in a good way. I want God to notice in a good way that He has a person, a child of His, that is totally dependent on Him and wanting to please Him year after year after year. I'm convinced that humility is the way to God's heart. And humility is what He wants me to do and humility is what He wants you to do. That's the way to his heart. If you don't feel close to God, then you've got to check your pride level. If you don't feel close to people, then you've got to check your pride level. I guarantee you go after pursuing humility. You're going you're to realize there's more pride in your life than you really realize. I want to make clear that humility is not passiveness. It is not just sitting around on the sidelines. Humility is not cowardice. Just look at Jesus' life. He is the perfect model of humility. He was not a coward. Humility is not being a doormat and just rolling over and playing dead. Humility is not just playing lip service like you agree, you agree, but you've got your own agenda brewing inside in your hearts. That is not humility. I'm excited to pursue humility this year. And I just don't want to change my behavior. I've tried to do that a lot in the past. We just do a lot of more, a lot more good things, even though that's part of repenting. I want God to change me from the inside out. I want my heart to change. I want to return to Him. You know, Marco called the entire staff, and I appreciate Marco's tenacity. I appreciate Marco has so many qualities that I need. But he's called the staff to come up with an acronym for 2012. And I guess, Steve, this is my resolution right here. So I felt good that I feel like I've come up with a resolution. But I, don't, I wanted to share these with you real quickly. One is just joy being with the Lord. My relationship with God absolutely should not ever be a burden, but it's my source of strength. I want to find joy with the Lord this year. I want exceptional humility in my life. I want to go deeper in this spiritual state. I want more NZT drug. 
from God. And not just maintain, I want to go deeper in humility. I want to be able to speak the truth in love. I want to be a man who is filled with grace and truth. To settle matters quickly. To confront because I'm, I'm a conflict avoider. I want unbreakable friendships. I want to be known for great friendships. I want and need to allow more people into my life. And lastly, just surrender to God. Wherever God puts me, I'm going to be thankful and give my whole heart one day at a time. I'm all for the 2020 year plan, but you know what? I'm just trying to live one day at a time. I'm trying to live one day at a time, give my very best to the Lord, and that's all I can do. And feel great about it. You take the first letter of each point and it just spells Jesus. This is my focus. This has probably been my focus for the, for the rest of my life. What are you going to pursue this year in 2012? If there's going to be a new you and you in this year, then God's got to change you. He's got to change you. If you don't have an idea, let me give you an idea. Pursue humility. Pursue humility with God and with others. True humility is powerful above all because it gets God's attention. When we follow Jesus, when we go to Jesus to Calvary and crucify all our pride, we will become one in spirit and purpose with him. Pride prevents our soul from communing with God. It's a pollutant to our soul. It distances us from God. But when we're humble, when we pursue humility with Him, then our souls can soar. We can find strength, the proper strength in God because of our closeness with Him. We can be filled with the Holy Spirit, His power, and His wisdom. Let's pray, brothers and sisters, as we take our communion this morning. Father in heaven, we are so far from understanding the depth of humility that Christ modeled as he died on the cross. He became obedient even to the point of death. He did nothing apart from you directing him. The words that he said, the actions he communicated were exactly the things that you instructed him to do. And he modeled the perfect relationship as a crucified lifestyle. And Father, my prayer for myself and for the church, as you humble us and discipline us in the proper way, to keep all of us individually close to you. Thank you for demonstrating your incredible love to Christ being crucified that helps us to be renewed in our relationship with you and to be soaring like eagles. God, thank you for our time to participate in communion and to boast about Jesus Christ. He is our hero. He is our Savior. And we know that you will bless us through 2012. It's in his name we pray. Amen.